We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three! One, two, three! Keep pounding! Welcome back to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Billy Marshall, and I'm once again joined by my esteemed co-host, Mr. John Ellis. John, how are you? Billy, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, the preseason training camp finally, well, training camp officially ended a couple weeks or a week and a half ago, but preseason ended on Friday so this team has some decisions to make but we'll get you caught up here on quite a lot of movement roster wise with the team over the past couple weeks and uh, we'll also get into how they played not only against the Pittsburgh Steelers but also against the Baltimore Ravens Uh, we didn't do a recap after that game so um, a lot of a lot of stuff to get into but first I just want kind of want to get your thoughts here on I want to start with the preseason game, okay? And I want to start with this Jets game because I want to get your thoughts too. And this is going to lead me into some discussion, kind of like a direction where this team might be headed. Because, you know, for me, I kind of kept quiet on Twitter uh, during the game just because I didn't really feel like, you know, you were obviously posting clips. A lot of other people were too. So I just felt I'll just sit back and – watch the game. I don't want to be live tweeting and having people kind of roar into my mentions because I was not very pleased. I I'll be honest with you, John, I was not pleased with what I saw. Um, I was very, very, very concerned. And it wasn't just, I, I just felt like the concerning part was every part of the organization starting at the top, all the way down to the coaching, all the way down to individual players. Um, and I mean, defensively, they played fine. I'll, I'll, I'm going to leave that unit. Like, I mean, they're playing against Pittsburgh's backup. I'm not going to, you know, hail them as like, you know, a replica of the 2003 uh, Panthers or anything, but you know, they did their job offensively and special teams wise. I just, I was really disappointed. And to me, I don't know if I can just put the blame on one person, but if that's how they're going to play, and if that's like a sneak peek of what this team is like offensively, then I, I, I don't feel confident going into the game against the uh, Jets week one because it was it, it wasn't great. And I felt that a lot of the issues could have been prevented. Uh, I mean, offensive line wise, we've been into that. It was just pitiful from right at elf line and Matt Paradis who was supposed to be one of their you know, better players. He Oof. was he was bad. It was um, bad. We'll get into individuals in a moment, but this is that, that's just like my big takeaway. Like, um, it's it's getting to the point. I mean, because like, yeah, they scored 17 points, but seven came because the Steelers muffed a punt, and then right. I'll give them credit for the two minute drill. But at the end of the day, you're going against Pittsburgh's like backups too. So that was just like the most discouraging part about it. 
why don't you try to talk me off a ledge? Why don't you try to like, you know, bring some rational perspective into it? Because I was disappointed and maybe hearing your thoughts, it might kind of ease my pain a little. Uh All right, sit down, everybody. Take a break. Let's have a little John therapy session here. (laughs) Um, No, look, I, I agree with, with a lot of that perspective. I, let me just start with the positives here. Cause I, that's, that's what I tried to accentuate after the game here. I think you've got some individual traits with some of these players and obviously we'll dive into the position by position here, but I, I, I still go back to a guy like Terrace Marshall uh, showing some great promise. You know, you and I talked with, with Matt Bowen and Greg Tosell about Terrace's versatility and he played 17 slot snaps in that game I thought that was promising to see some of his traits shine uh, throughout not only this game but throughout the entire preseason so that that's one in the win column there I was very impressed by Darnold at times again you're going against backdrops we we knew that going in that that would be something to to weigh into this that you know it's not necessarily a great measuring stick I, I, I caution fans, just like I think you are as well, that, you know, you look at Sam's stat line and you look at the production from that first half, don't get sucked into a false sense of security there. Because, again, the touchdown he threw to Robbie Anderson was fantastic, but Robbie's going against a, a, a third-string corner on that double move he had there. And that that's going to be a much different story for this team when the tight – pressure comes in in terms of uh coverage in terms of tighter windows uh i thought sam operated very efficiently so i'll give him some plus grades in terms of efficiency in terms of his footwork looked pretty clean to me i I, i'm very concerned about the offensive line i i it's i think that you know you have some concerns about what you saw overall in that game and i'm just going to to say it, the offensive line to me is a huge spot of bother. And, and what concerned me, Billy, was the interior pressure. That's something that um, a lot of people have been talking about. Cam Irving, Brady Christensen, when is he going to move to left tackle, which he's not anytime soon, by the way. So don't hold your breath on that. But the interior pressure is a major problem, especially when you're going against backups and your starting line. You know, you got Elf Line, who you and I both scratched our heads with that move because his play at guard was very suspect with the Jets last year. And Sam was right there. Sam saw it last year. Now he's right back in the mix yeah. with, with Elfline. Paradis, you know, it, it just, to me, is just, he's he's steady. He hasn't missed time here, but he hasn't been that great. And you just see, again, him getting overwhelmed. And, and they're not, Billy, getting the push in the run game. I know they're running a lot of wide zone stuff. I know McCaffrey's not playing much in the preseason here, not at all. But they're they're not getting movement. And that concerns me as well. So I just think defensively, they're fine. I like what Phil Snow's dialing up. There's a tendency in the preseason, you know this too, defensive coordinators are going to show their hand a little more than OC. So the the game plan offensively is always going to be a little more vanilla. And I think there's some things Joe Brady will try to install going into week one that we haven't seen yet. But if you can't beat your guy off the blocks and you can't pass protect with consistency against the second string defensive line, that does concern me. Like I said, defensively, I have no problem with where they're at right now. There are a few things they can enhance, can work on. I didn't think Shaq Thompson looked all too great, but we've seen him up and down at times. I thought Carter did fine. I thought Burns and Reddick looked great. Um, Chen is always flying around. J.C. Horn making some good breaks on the ball. <clears throat> Special teams, you know, hey, <laughs> Billy, what did you talk about last podcast about drafting a long snapper? And you mentioned a kicker that was available at the time. And again, hindsight's 2020, but you had mentioned this throughout the process. Drafting a long snapper who, you know, again, our friend Joe Person did his 53-man write-up. And Joe has a pretty good beat on the team here. And I, I kind of feel the same that JJ's probably going to stick around. Now, I, I may come to eat that as we record this on a Sunday. Roster cuts come up Tuesday. But again, now they're left with Joey Sly out the door, Ryan Santoso, the um, – Six foot five behemoth from the Giants. I don't know much about him other than he kicked off for the Titans a couple of years ago. And he had a 50 plus yard attempt in the game and barely made it. I uh, made his extra points, credit that. But I'm, I'm concerned about two areas in particular, Billy kicking game, particularly extra points, particularly field goals, routine field goals, and the ability to protect and push on the offensive line. That bothers me right now. And I think 
You can't yeah. sleep on the Jets. We talked about this Jets game, Billy. I think you mentioned it perfectly in the podcast. Carolina's got the talent to beat the Jets. If they can't produce a win week one, that's concerning. And I think right now there's just enough concern in those two areas to me to make me wonder, can can they can they cruise through a win against the Jets? I don't yeah, think I, they can I, afford I to think that way. No, no, I don't see any type of cruising against the Jets or any NFL team at this point. Even the you know, I mean, Robert Salah is going to scheme them up, Billy. I mean, they're not they're not very talented. They're not very deep. They have a ton of injuries, but Salah's a great coach. I know you yeah, respect no. the hell out of them. Well, they will scheme the hell out of this uh, this offensive line. We will certainly do a full breakdown of that game leading up to yeah. um, leading up to that uh, matchup. But I, I want to stick here in the first team offense because I think. Uh, you made a good good point because there, there was like no explosive plays downfield at all, um, yeah. at least with the first team offense. Uh, I mean, the route concepts, they, they were just were very vanilla, uh, which is understandable. It's preseason. Um, and another thing that kind of told me it was vanilla was just Darnold was going through the progressions really quickly. So that kind of yeah. told, that kind of like gave me, you know, the clarity I needed that they aren't yeah. really scheming up a lot of you know um you know diverse route concepts that can really kind sure. of well, open it. up the field uh i mean i thought donald was okay i mean he didn't look like a different kind of quarterback than what we saw like uh in new york but it's to tell us say he's looked the same it's it's yeah. like the juxtaposition um, sounds a little inconsistent, but to me, there's just, I, I don't know. Like, I didn't really see anything different. And that's just probably because, you know, I'm not at practice, so I don't get to see him like reporters and other fans have. Uh, but at the same time, I just, I thought he was very ordinary. And again, like I said, uh, the offensive line did not help him. Uh, you know, one player that I'm going to get to in particular that might shock some people that I thought really struggled Um and another one was, uh, yeah, just like the overall route concepts and what Joe Brady was dialing up. Okay. Because I, I didn't really find it to be too enamoring, but again, it's preseason and, um, that's not really his job. Uh, I, I do, okay. I do have one concern with the defense and I'll, I'll get to that uh, momentarily. And again, I, it's nothing with individually, individually, like, I think we, we've done a pretty good job of going over those guys. I don't really need to, you know, say anything else about, right, right. you know, which players impress. I thought they all played well. Um, one player I was kind of disappointed with this preseason, especially the last two weeks, then Chuba Hubbard. Um, this is like, you know, an issue with him that it, it's just, it's going to be a transition because you don't, in the NFL, you need to be very decisive with your movement. You cannot waste steps. This is not the big 12. You're going to have, where you're going to have like 40, 50 feet holes where you can just run through. Like you, you, you can't do that here you yeah. have to be decisive and i understand that his um you know he's still a work in progress in the passing game so maybe he's not the most refined pass blocker or the pass catcher but he's supposed to be a good runner and i i just i want to see more from him because when i saw spencer brown come in he showed a lot more juice and wiggle and ability mm-hmm. to bounce off contact and those are traits that Hubbard has in his skill set, but to me, he just, he really struggled because the offensive line for as much as we want to like, you know, ragdoll on them, they got pushed a few times, but Hubbard was just so indecisive that it led to the one or two yard games when it should be leading to four or five yard games. So he's going to make the team. He's going to probably going to be running back two, running back three, but McCaffrey, again, he's coming off an injury. So I don't know if they're going to, put him at 75 to 80% of the workload. That's probably what they should do, but yeah. you don't know. Cause we don't know the medicals. Um, so I just wanted to point that out. And again, I think he's going to be a really good player. I was happy with the selection, but um, you know, he has to do better with the offensive line in front of him because he's not going to get again, those huge holes that he saw in the big 12. No, you're not. I, I, I agree with that. I, I think there were some good things, some good things, you know, yeah, going back to the first preseason game, that was a nice job by Hubbard of sort of pressing the hole and being patient. But those type of opportunities in a, in a short yarded situation where the box is loaded and you, oh, yeah, you, you, you get four or five guys who just are falling over each other, those are few and far between. So I, I, I don't know. Zalstrom had a good block on that run in the preseason opener, and that sort of sprung that one. But other than that, there hasn't been a lot of that one cut explosion that, that, 
we've talked about, and that's his game. That's what you want to see from him is just be decisive and and let's let's get to the hole and let's move. But to his, to his defense, I think they just <clears throat> there, there's going to have to be some development too with his you know with his ability to catch out of the backfield because they need that from him. There have been some drops. There have been a few mistimed uh, swing passes. There was one in the Pittsburgh game that was a little ill-timed. And they, they've got to get on the same page with this kid because, you know, we don't know how effective McCaffrey can be yet or how often he can touch it early. Now, if he does, if he's 95% workload, and we just were in that same situation again where uh, RB2 doesn't really matter, uh, I, I think we got to rethink that because McCaffrey's going to be playing some more versatile roles this year, I think. And whoever it is, if it's Bonifant, once he's healthy, I'd like to probably see him at RB2 to start out. But his health has been in question. Um, and, yeah, yeah, you're right. When Brown, when Brown came in, he, he showed that decisiveness that Hubbard has, has sort of struggled with a little bit. Again, I, I, I'm a little more optimistic about Hubbard, I think. But I see what you're saying. I totally get it. I, I think it's just the, the short yardage stuff. That, that really irked me. And a lot of people want yep. to. Uh, place the blame on the offensive line in those situations and uh, yeah, they might deserve a little bit but I think the running back in those situations when it's like third and one first or fourth and goal from the one and you just you got to be quick and really like just you can't be indecisive there I mean well and you got to like, have a bully too I mean that's the thing they, they since Jonathan Stewart left they haven't had that presence in the goal line you know Cam brought that too but they they had a totally different goal line dynamic when oh, when I, I the health with a healthy Newton and a healthy Stewart. And I think it's really hard for us to, to look at where they've gone from there, particularly with how they've struggled. And, you know, in Ron's last year, when, when Cam was not healthy, uh, when Stewart was gone, and then in, in 20 last year, when obviously they had their share of issues in short yardage, and Alex Arma, one of the best fullbacks in the league, they let walk. Um, now, Giovanni Ricci, I think, is, is doing a decent job but he's still a developmental tool there in terms right. of a lead blocker. And, you know, you know they're going to run a lot of two-back personnel. I mean, this is what Joe Brady does, not, not an abundance of it, but they're going to run their share of it. It's the Sean Payton, you know, influence, and that's, that's a key part of their offense. So I am concerned about short yardage, absolutely. I, and I, McCaffrey can, uh, can break tackles, but with the lack of push, and this is where a guy like I, I just hope that, like a Deontay Brown, who shows some flashes at times of just being dominant, in the run game. And, and I think yeah. daily too, a daily is a better, I talked to one guy around the league who does this for a living he scouts every week. And he mentioned he would love to see daily left guard and Brown at, at right guard. I mean, just, maybe not right off the bat, but eventually that's the direction they need to go in terms of the ability to control the run game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think it's um, a combination of things. I, I do feel a lot more comfortable with McCaffrey in short yardage situations that I do with any of the other running backs. That's not to say that yep. McCaffrey is like this short yardage running back specialist. I just think that he, he, he can afford to be patient because he has like elite movement skills and he's yep. very, like he plays very low to the ground and he has vision um, where he can kind of, you know, make, make a guy miss, even if he's not my, even if he's not really sure. taking the right hole, he, he understands how to play through contact. They're just yeah. obviously a lot more, uh, traits that you know give him that advantage over another guy and i'm not saying you know you should go out and look for a 250 260 pound like brandon jacobs type running back but i do i do think that in those situations it kind of just limits uh, a little bit of hubbard's uh, value so um yeah. you know I, I still think you know very highly of him i think he'll have a role in the future but there, there's just a lot to learn and i was um you know a little disappointed in his uh performance uh the past two weeks well and there again and they're experimenting too a lot, Billy. That's I try to give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt. The joint practices, it's hard to pull a lot from that from media perspective. I was there at the, the Baltimore practice, and that was a high-value pair of days there because you're able to install some things there that aren't going to be on film. Those 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 tapes aren't shared with throughout the league. So that's obviously you got fans that they're filming stuff, and they that's why they tell us in, in the media pool there to do not film the practices because it's they're trying to keep from both sides as much of this um concealed as possible because they don't want to tip their hand too much in terms of footage and whatnot but i i think in that baltimore game getting back i mean they're they're experimenting with things i'm glad they're sorting out they had colin thompson at fullback down near the goal line and he whiffed on that short yardage oh my god that was bad and 
and yeah, and Kyle, I went back and looked at his snap counts throughout his career. He played seven career snaps, I think, at fullback. And it just looked like an odd thing to try. But I guess that's what preseason's for. And I'll give them some benefit of the doubt. They pulled away from that. And Colin actually made some very good blocks in the run game just as an inline tight end against Pittsburgh, albeit sort of the third string guys. But um, I think that's one guy they're going to keep. And I think they'll keep him at tight end. But I'll be interested to see Ricci. I, I think they're going to commit to him at fullback. We talked about Trimble possibly being that guy, but I think they're really going to try to keep him at a traditional H-back tight end role and keep him out of the backfield. So, yeah, they're going to have to figure that out. I mean, especially short yardage, Billy. Everybody's got to get their, their pad level right, got to push. And then, you know, whether it's McCaffrey, whether it's Hubbard, whether it's Bonifant, they're going to have to get that, that hard yard. It might even be Darnold at times. I mean, they ran yeah. some of that stuff with the Jets where he was – uh, you know, running a little bit of the read option himself. So I don't know how much they'll utilize that, but they, they've got to get that hard yard. That's been a problem under this this regime. Yeah, and you know, hopefully they figure out a way to fix that. So um, we'll get to some players that we feel have their stock rising over the past month or so. But, um, you know, I did say I want to get back to one thing defensively. It's kind of not really concerned me, but it, it is something to keep an eye on. And, uh, it was better against Pittsburgh, but again, the competition between our starters against their backups really wasn't you know, anything to you know hang your hat on. But against Baltimore, I was just a uh, you know one area that we've kind of we we've praised Phil Snow a lot on this podcast, especially you. But an issue with this defense last year was third down, and against Baltimore, they were brutal on third down. Um, it, it, it wasn't great. I think they, I don't think they were, they were good against Indianapolis either for that um, matter. Um, obviously, like I said, they were better last week, but I think it just had to do with the competition of your second team offense against the first team defense. So this is an area that, that really needs to be cleaned up because again, I'm a huge fan of Phil Snow, just like you are, but you have to get off the field on third down. It just, it has to happen. And I, again, I, that's, an area that if this defense wants to live up to its potential, they really, really like we love the schematic, um, you know, innovations that he's bringing to this team. But sure. you're down, you really need to get off the field. Yeah, I mean, look, Baltimore just dropped the sledgehammer on their asses. I can't, I, from a running game perspective. And again, it, that was more of a good measuring stick because I think you saw more ones versus ones, two versus twos. It was yeah. more evenly matched up. And that's sort of the gentleman's agreement you have when you have a joint practice week. Look, let's try to match up evenly here. But, I mean, let's go back and look at, at the stat line. The Dobbins didn't, who, by the way, Dobbins, what a terrible injury that was to think right. about him. And that's, they hate to see that. But he didn't get a lot of touches in that game. But so towards the second half, but M- McCray and Williams combined for 25 touches. And they were at 100, looks like uh, just over 110 yards. And they just grinded away. And I, I, I thought the tackling was decent. It's just the gap control and some of the, the movement up front concerned me a little bit because when you have your twos and threes against their twos and threes, um, that's where you want to see your depth, you know, hold up against a perennial playoff team. And Baltimore was just able, honestly, to just keep themselves out of second and nine and then third and seven plus, which we talked about all the time though third and seven plus is the money down for like a Phil snow defense. Cause he's got the personnel to really, uh, even on the second string level to, to just tee it up on a third and seven plus and make things uncomfortable, but you know, credit to Greg Roman and Baltimore. I think they did some good things in that game in terms of, you know, mitigating some of Carolina's athleticism on defense. And they just, they grinded them down. You don't want to make too much of a preseason game, but you got to evaluate what's in front of you. And that was disappointing. I, I thought it was much better, again, against sort of an uneven matchup against Pittsburgh. But, yeah, third down's got to get better. I mean, we, we've raved about Phil Snow, and I, I, I temper some of that with this. They had a stretch last year, Billy, you know, and I know some talent deficiencies were there, where I think it was two and a half games they did not force a punt. Um, and, you know, we, we gave Bridgewater a lot of crap last year. We were very hard on him, and I think rightfully so. And at times, I think we were a little tough on on the entire offense, but they they had to really carry the team through that Saints game, through that Chiefs game. And I think the defense moving forward, even against a team like the Jets with Wilson, who you can't sleep on with this tremendous ability to just find tight spaces with his arm, 
they, they've got to keep the running game bottled up. I can't stress that enough, Billy. And they're going to face some teams with the Jets, who have a rookie quarterback, who are going to want to establish the run early. With the Cowboys coming up early in the schedule. With the Texans, who seem like they're going to try to run the ball 50 times a game. Uh, it, no matter how bad you think a team is, if you can't manage first downs or early down runs and get teams off the field in like a second and eight plus or a third and seven plus, if you consistently find yourself defensively in a third and one, third and two, or second and four, second and three, that's where you get back into that rhythm they were in last year. So, uh, yeah, they, they're going to have to do a good job of bottling that up. I actually thought the run defense was fine. And I actually um, – I, I do think they, their defense played well on against both – the first-team defense. So it was 3-3 three, three at halftime or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, they did their job, and they got two turnovers uh, as well. So um, yeah. I just think that the – and, again, the reason – their score probably wasn't worse was because they got those two turnovers because they could still couldn't stop Baltimore on those third downs. Right. Um, but okay. Let's uh, transition now to some players who you feel the past month that their stock has been rising. Like let's pick one on defense and pick one on offense. Um, who do you think has seen, you know, maybe who wasn't like in a good position, but they've kind of worked their way on the roster. Uh, I think defensively, you know, again, he's getting a lot of headlines and I have one attempt for it, but I think Frankie LeVue looks very good, not just from the game action, Billy, but during practices, joint practices, he was active, involved. Uh, he tipped one ball that, that got Davian Nixon, that interception and the joint practice against the Ravens. Um, he's multiple. He can do a number of things. I don't think he's a first level guy. I think he's a sub package guy that can throw in there. And, and make work. But I think his stock's rising a little bit. Is, as far as other guys out there, you know, I've been impressed with, with Hartsfield. I mean, I mean, this slot corner position is a bit concerning because now when you're facing 11 personnel, you don't have Boyer for a while here, at least the first two weeks with, you know, the suspension and hopefully his injury continues to improve. But I think he's done a pretty decent job in there. I think the safeties uh, between Sam Franklin and Sean Chandler have done a pretty decent job as well backup safeties in terms of fitting the run, getting down to the box. They've done some good blitz packages throughout this preseason in terms of the passing game, and they've made some impact there. Those are a few guys I think have, have sort of, if you didn't think they were going to be, you know, contenders for a roster spot, I think those three guys might make the team comfortably. I, I don't know about Chandler. I think Franklin, I think Hartsfield, and I think uh, LeVu are definitely on, on there. Um and offensively, look, I think it'll be interesting to see what they do. I, I think Dan Arnold has, has shown some flashes. Obviously, we expected a lot out of him. Um, he ran a nice little whip route in that game and, and showed some athleticism. And you got to remember, Arnold's not like a center block tight end. He's a move guy that can, that can get open. He's an athlete, a former hurdler in college. I like what he brings. Um, and I, I, I don't think Cam Irving's been a disaster. I agree. Again, I just, He's been I fine. Think, I think. I think Elfline and Paradis is just that's a that's a spot of bother for them right now. I think Irving is settling in a little bit, so I'm a little less concerned about that than I was maybe a week or two ago. No, I 100% agree. I, th- I think Elfline has been fine for what um, I've seen. I think the bigger concern Irving, about- Irving, Irving, you mean not Elfline? Excuse me, excuse me. Irving has been <laughs> fine. Elfline is the one that I'm not seeing a lot of people, you know, be concerned with because all over the media and all over Twitter, I see everyone just complaining about Irving and yeah, yeah. He's, had some, he's had some injuries here and there but you know I, I, I think he's been totally I think I fine. think Cam is I think Cam has rebounded nicely I actually give him uh, a lot of credit for that yeah. because he took yeah. a lot of shit during camp um, and I was you know, I was I was not uncomfortably tough on him I just there were a few looks there and one-on-one individuals and then even on 11 and 11 that were a little bit concerning but again I, I'm 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 settling into the idea that it's okay can we get sucked into this vortex of God, they haven't had a decent left tackle in so long. Well, you know, I mean, <clears throat> this is a guy's former first-round pick. They invested highly in him on the first day of free agency. Let's see what happens because right now the alternatives aren't great. Brady's not ready to play the left side. He's just not there yet. Um, I'll go a little more broad, and I'll say the uh, stock rising for me would be the day one and day two picks from this recent draft class. I think all of them, all four of them, have shown why uh, they were drafted where they were. Uh, JC Horn in limited reps. He just yep. he looks totally like a dominant corner, a potential dominant corner. Marshall, I mean, he's been probably one of the stars of the preseason, just explosive catches down the field, ability to 
you know, catch a ball in space and make people miss like you saw in the touchdown. Just he can do mm-hmm. pretty much everything. And then I, I tremble and uh, Christensen, they've really shown up in, the, in these second halves going against uh, yes. opposing second and third team defenses. Um, so credit to them because they're also um, showing why they belong on the roster and why they can potentially be contributors down the line too. So I, I think it's a promising start uh, for this draft class. And I mean, there's a couple others who've played well, like you've mentioned Deontay Brown too. And, you know, for all my criticisms of Hubbard, I, again, I, I still think he will be um, a fine backup running back who can grow. Into sure. um, now let's one, another area that's kind of, you know, I don't know if I want to bring it up, but it's kind of irked me. I don't know if it's irked you. And again, this might just be a preseason thing. It's why do they rotate guys after like a penalty? I never really found that to be like, like what's the point of that? Mm-hmm. Like, are you trying to punish them? Because it it needs to stop because you're, if you're taking yeah. an offensive lineman out after a full start in the regular season, like, okay, that's just, you're messing with the continuity. And I don't think they would do that. But I, there was like another penalty on the defense that I think YGM and um, one of the defensive tackles, they maybe a bit like some type of late hit or something. They took him out like right afterwards for one play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That that was just a little weird. I kind of. It's a it, look, it's a it's it's I think I noticed it, too. And, you know, I, obviously the there there was I, I don't want to call it overkill, but there was, uh, I, I think, a real heavy emphasis at camp. Uh, on this DBO sign and, and really not shaming guys, but sort of that, that college flair that Matt rule brings to his practices. It's the first chance I've had to watch Matt rule right. operate as a coach. And I, I gave him a lot of credit during camp. I posted, you know, some, some glowing reviews on, on how he's in the middle of the action teaching. They didn't feel like he was being, you know, an, an unnecessary jerk to guys. Uh, he, he, I think had a good methodology in terms of communicating I was impressed by that, but yeah, I do. I think from a game perspective, you want to get into a habit of not doing that. Hopefully that's a preseason thing, but you know, during regular season action, if a guy, you know, fouls up on, on the offensive line or defensive line in particular, you can't, you can't, you can't jerk him out for like a player two and then put him back in. You're going to have to just understand that things happen during the course of the game. And hopefully these are teaching moments for these guys who made mental errors, but um, that's, that's a key thing to look for, Billy. I mean, this is Matt Rule's second year, so hopefully some of these coaching points start to stick with these guys because we saw a number of mental errors last year that, that did lead to some critical game lapses. So, again, I know they're talent deficient in some areas, but they have to be headstrong, and hopefully what Matt's doing right now has a positive effect. But I noticed it, and I, I definitely agree with your perspective, and you can't get in the habit of doing that when the games matter. Um, one of the big battles going on has been the backup quarterback uh, performance. Uh, PJ Walker played well week one. Uh, he did not play well week two, and then he looked like the guy we saw week one uh, this past week. And uh, Will Greer did not play well week one. He did play well the past two weeks. So it's been kind of even, I would say, as far as the game reps are concerned uh, with PJ versus Will Greer. How do you expect that uh, position uh, to play out? Because to me, you know, the big issue with Walker uh, week two was just like he, the ball was just getting away from him. Like, yeah. and one thing he needs to do if he does end up being the backup is he really, really needs to work on his touch because he just throws the ball like hundred miles per hour each time. And right. that causes like drops. And a lot of people are pointing at the receivers. Hey, you got to catch that. But I mean, maybe, but the ball also needs to, be thrown with a little better touch. Um, but to Walker's yeah. credit, he does a really nice job. I feel like he's more underrated in this aspect of him. Um, like the pocket ability that he has, he, he's very good right. at going through his reads and squaring his shoulders and finding uh, receivers. So I, I give him credit in that respect. And obviously the mobility is something that, you know, he brings as well, but Hey, we saw that mobility with Will Greer too. And uh, that touchdown run yeah. was, um, you know, very impressive. And, uh, it's kind of the opposite with Greer. He doesn't kind of have that crazy arm strength, but um, he does throw it with nice touch. And I, I think we you saw that the past two weeks. So I kind of want to get your perspective because to me, I think it's even, I don't really care who they go with. Um, you know, both of them have their strengths. If they keep both of them, too, like I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I thought Matt Rule had mentioned during the week here that, they're, that they might be less likely to keep three versus maybe last year because of, limited preparation and then, you know, whatnot. And I think they were more inclined to keep 
three last year. I think they're leaning two this year. Uh, that's and, and they may not. We were as we record this on a Sunday afternoon. Cuts coming up again by four p.m. Tuesday. Things can can change drastically as you listen to this podcast. But I I think what you get with PJ is you have the athleticism element that Matt Rule does like. You have the ability to do some multiple things. Um, I don't think they're going to use him like a Trey Lance in that regard. You're not going to see a lot of quarterback counteraction, but I, I think he does give you the ability to extend a little more than Greer does. Greer has some athleticism, some sneaky athleticism, but I think PJ showed in that Colts game, you know, the ability to, to make some things happen by keeping his eyes downfield and moving the pocket. As you mentioned, pocket movements, a little bit rated for this guy. And you're right. I think the, the touch on the ball, the placement needs a little bit of work, but I think in camp, it looked pretty solid. Uh, I, I will give Will Greer some credit here. And I also want to credit Sean Ryan with, with his development because and look, I, I'm the first guy to call myself out when I think I maybe overstepped a little bit. Maybe I, I overlooked Will, which is quite frankly, Billy, I've been watching him practice for three years now. And I just haven't seen a lot of development. That was, I think, his best tape he's put out there so far. Um, yeah. And again, you have to consider the, the the situation and who they're playing. And, you know, it's the high stakes are not really there. If but can... <clears throat> the first game he had was he, he was in that Indianapolis game back, you know, when yeah, who's the interim head coach they had? My goodness. Perry Fuel. That was a, that was not a fair measuring stick. I mean, and I, I felt bad for him in that game, but that's the position he was put in. And he didn't look, did not look ready whatsoever. You know, P.J. Walker in his only regular season action threw a couple of regrettable red zone interceptions, but also threw some nice balls, including a little corner route to, to Curtis. And he threw a beautiful nine route to D.J. Moore in that game. And I think he, he repeated that this preseason with a nice go route to, uh, to Shai Smith, who, by the way, hopefully won't be long injured here because I like Shai a lot. But I, I think they probably lean P.J. here, Billy, just because they – He's a Temple guy. He's got the athleticism Matt likes. Will Greer was a Marty, you know, Ron guy. Those things do factor in a little bit, I think. And I, I think PJ on the whole has been a more complete product. But I, I was glad to see Will put out some good tape there. And I think Sean Ryan's did a good job bringing him yeah. along here. Uh, well, one thing I will say to kind of defend Greer in this aspect uh, with the practice first game split is some people are just ballers when the light comes on. Like they, they're not going to show you like how – they're not going to yeah. practice well, but when the lights turn on, these guys just go out and they make plays and they just like a different type of energy and like, mo like motivation comes out of them. And that, well, that's sure. just kind of how it is. I've seen a lot of NFL play and then especially in like other sports like basketball and um, soccer too, where just some guys you feel like they aren't the best at practice. You watch them. You're like, Oh, why can't I go out there? I can do better than him. But then <laughs> when the lights, when the lights come on, they just kind of all of their, uh, skill set and potential comes out so I think that there could be a situation with Will Greer because at West Virginia he was sort of the same way he was kind of yep guy who always like especially when the you know the lights were the brightest in big big 12 games he always like performed well so oh yeah yeah that, there could be something like that going on so I'll say this I think if if Sam gets hurt they're they're in a tough spot to, to compete for much this year um that, that's true for a lot of teams, but they're – I don't think either one of those guys step in and and, and continue to to take this team to to maybe a 7-8-9 win maybe level here. I mean, I could be wrong. I mean, I, I think Will, to your point, did some things in college that, that opened up some eyes, including my own. And he could be one of those guys you mentioned that just when the lights are on and the stage is – is is set it, his his level rises a little bit. I don't want to say that his practices have been terrible, but I I just think he's had a hard time here. He's had three different coordinators to to work with here, including Scott Turner on an interim basis, and I think finally now with 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 Joe Brady and a new quarterback coach and and Sean Ryan, he's he's starting to see his stock rise a little bit. And that that's yeah. good for him, no matter where he ends up. I don't know if he sticks here though. I, I mean, just the buzz that I I here is that pj might have a little bit of an edge but you know and my own evaluation of it would lean pj because i'm a little biased towards the extra athleticism element and i think the accuracy is not such a wide gap that you couldn't keep pj and still have sufficient efficiency in the offense so that's where i'd lean but i could see them going either way here yeah um we'll, we'll see how that plays out i, I do want to mention i know that you kind of brief, touched on a little bit uh shy smith's injury i don't think it's too serious but I will say it was a shoulder injury and he landed on yeah. his shoulder 
on that new turf. Oh yeah. Just throwing it out there. I don't think that happens. I don't think that injury happens if it was still, you know, Bermuda grass, which is what it was prior. Um, Hard to say, but yeah, I I know there's a, I mean, even like a Robbie Anderson mentioned during camp, you know, (laughs) it's fake. I don't like fake grass. I like real grass. A lot lot of players that I've heard through the grapevine are not real happy about the change there. I mean, it uh, looks nice. It's aesthetically decent. It doesn't look like cheap turf, but it's no, still turf. It's not the real thing. And man, I, 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 I like hate it. not playing on grass. I hate not playing on grass. I just I don't mean, like there it. was a there was a game last year. I think week two, the 49ers were in the Meadowlands, and they lost like five players in like one. Wow. Um, so I, I hate 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 turf, but that's yeah. what the owner wanted to do. So whatever. Hey, um, not my billions. So let's uh, just kind of conclude here with some of the trades they've made in, over the past couple weeks. And uh, I think the um, we'll, we'll get into the kicker last, but uh, the other one that they made uh, that drew some attention was uh, trading away Denzel Perryman in a seventh round pick to the Raiders for mm-hmm. Oak, um, Las Vegas's sixth round pick. What right. uh, kind of was your impression of that trade? Because it seemed like Perryman – uh, wasn't really getting on the field. They, the regime, they went out and they signed him. So, is that like a negative mark on them, or is it a positive? I mean, even able to know, get something back. What I, I get, what, I get criticized. Thoughts? I get crit. I thank you, but I get criticized a lot on Twitter here from certain people for holding this regime accountable for moves they make, and I, I think that's unfair because you have to keep tabs on that kind of stuff, Billy particularly with Matt Rule's power in that building. So, you again, we talked about the Elf Line Irving signing. Scott Fitter is the GM, obviously, and he has a, a ton of input. But I still think Matt has a little more pull in terms of personnel. And, and these are the type of things you have to, to, to just keep in mind. You know, the, the Bridgewater signing, some other signings they've made that have, have not – I mean, the Tahir Whitehead deal last year. I mean, these are things that weren't necessarily – damaging from a financial standpoint with Whitehead, with Bridgewater, not so much. They're eating some of that money still. But yeah, with, with Perriman, I think the thing is he showed up to camp. I mean, the the, the, <laughs> the only memory we have of Perriman was showing up in the, he had a football helmet on in the car and he showed up with a speeding ticket. <laughs> which, and from there, I saw nothing of him at camp. I was there every day but two. And I couldn't get a read on his game because I couldn't see him practice because he wasn't at practice. He was always in the red jersey. And, uh, you know, whether he was that hurt or the team I mean, you've seen some reporting, I think on this and people hinting that maybe he wasn't a fit for the culture here. Um, He just wasn't a mad rule type of guy. And they were figuring out that he wasn't going to be the best fit for what they want to do from a complete perspective, not only just on the field, but maybe just, you know, I don't know. I I just think when you don't practice, you're not going to play. So, they had to make that move. I credit them so far for being able to get things in return, at least for some of the things they've slipped up on. And they're eating a little bit of that dead money with Perriman, but you know, they, they did get to move up in the draft and return. It looks like with that six rounder and Perriman goes back to, to the Raiders who we I've been watching today. You're just eating shit against the 49ers in terms of their run defense. Um, and he's familiar with Gus Bradley. So I think from their perspective, that that's a good fit. I like Perriman a lot, Billy. I, I think an early down backer, an interior backer with a little bit more punch than to here had would have been a nice thing to have, a nice utility piece to have here. But I just don't think it was going to work out. He went on the field. So I'm, I'm glad they were able to cut a deal and, and move him on. And I think Jermaine Carter, you know, steps right in and does a fine job this year. I think he's ready for the challenge. Yeah, um, I'm glad I got your perspective. I really didn't have much to say on the trade. I, I think it's uh, always a positive. I, I mean, it, it could be a negative that they signed him, but it was a pretty modest deal right. to begin with. And it's not like they re-signed to hear Whitehead. You know, Perryman is a solid NFL linebacker, and that's kind of what I classified him as in previous. But we knew, but, but we knew just quickly, we knew oh. going in. I mean, we mentioned this, you and I, we talked about it on a podcast a while back. He averaged like seven starts over the last four years. So I, I had limited expectations. He would even see the field and lo and behold, this is where we're at. But again, I like the guy a lot as a player. I just don't think he can stay healthy. All right. Let's close it out here with the trade uh, for the kicker. And it looks like they've already made some uh, corresponding move with that uh, they traded for the Giants backup kicker uh, Ryan Santoso as a, a pretty big guy for a kicker and uh, he did a uh, fine the other night he, you know he barely yeah. made 
his 50 yard field goal. Um, and I think he made all of his extra points as well. Uh, so credit to him there, but yeah, they did finally move on from the Joey Sly experiment. Uh, that, you know, I, I was never against cutting Sly. I just wanted competition and I wanted a competition from day one. And I feel like, you know, bringing Sentoso finally made them realize that you can't just go out there and rely on Sly because he's going to lose your games. I have no idea if Sentoso is yeah. like going to be this dependable kicker either. I really don't. Uh, I wish they started this competition a little sooner, maybe had like two or three guys in camp and kind of, you know, just did the competition throughout then instead of just, you know, rolling with Sly from day one, but they did. And um, unfortunately for Joey Sly, that's, that's it for him. I'm sure he'll get some opportunities again, but uh, credit to them for finally realizing the mistake they made, but I wish they kind of uh, did it a little sooner. Uh, But uh, what are your just overall thoughts on Santoso and uh, the Sly experiment? Well, it's a it's a tough business, Billy. I mentioned this on Twitter. You know, Joey Sly was at his first practice at Wofford in 2019. I saw this uh, this swole dude who looked like he be playing linebacker stepping out in John Casey's old number, booming kicks with good height, by the way, from 50 plus. And I was like, this is interesting. They brought this guy in from Virginia Tech. And I knew a little bit about him from his college days. There were some inconsistencies there. Um, but yeah, I think you know that's that's just part of the business. You know, there's a there was a shot of him being consoled by J.J. Jansen after Santoso was sent out for that last rep. And I think Sly kind of knew at that point that, that that was it for him, and that he wasn't going to get a final chance to really to really audition. And uh, it's just it's, – it's the nature of the business. I think with that type of leg strength, he'll get a chance to play somewhere else. So best of luck to him because he's a good dude. But, yeah, the Santoso guy, I mean, I'm interested to see what happens. So this is um, – Again, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think it's a fair thing to say that there are a lot of question marks about where they stand at kicker. <laughs> uh, he made a long kick. It, it doinked off the crossbar or the, uh, the, uh, the bar there. Uh, and that, you know, is not the kind of accuracy you want to see, but it's his first kick in forever and, you know, the first meaningful kick in an audition-type role. He made his extra point. So that's positive. He's a guy who can do kickoffs and kick it off with, with plenty of strength. So, but the main thing you want to see, Billy, is you don't want any surprises. You don't want any hiccups. You don't want, you know, like, so slide back in 2019, missing the short one in New Orleans. And then the extra points not being connected on with, with you know, just dependability. This was an issue with Gano as well back in 18. So it's not like Graham has been, you know, much better at times. Um, you know, you can go all the way back to Harrison Butker. This team, you talk about the left tackle situation. This team has had a hard time since that Butker move and then Gano being shipped off, having some consistency at the kicking position. And I think with a team that's starting to try to get themselves close to a playoff position, you know, again, I don't know what their expectations are in house. They, I think they're, they're obviously trying to aim for as many wins as they can get. From my perspective, I think they should be in a position to, to, to at least enter December in the conversation for that last wild card. Are they going to make it? Probably not. But if they don't have reliability to kicker, they don't have a chance because they're going to be in so many close games. You know, I can I can see it going one or two ways. This guy takes off and ends up being a hidden gem, reliable guy. Several teams were interested in Santoso, apparently, so not just Carolina. Or it could go the other way and they end up with another kicker by week four. And that's not what you want to see because then you get into a cycle of, oh, God, we don't have consistency at this position. So – to that point, I think Joe Person raised a good point in his article here with The Athletic. Go check out his work at Joseph Person on Twitter. That that may be one reason they lean towards keeping J.J. Jansen is just continuity, having some veteran leadership at the long snapping position, the short snap position as well on kicking teams. Um, Fletcher obviously is a, a, a very good long snapper, but I think they might lean Jansen there just because there are so many question marks at kicker right now. But we'll see what happens. I think – you didn't mention punting, but I'll just say I think Charlton's doing a fine job, and I think that was a good find by them. Yeah, no, he's he's totally been uh, pretty consistent since um, you know they moved on from Polardi, which is kind of interesting. Their punting situation has uh, yeah. been pretty good um, yeah. past decade or so. I mean, Brad Norman was pretty solid, um, and yeah. now they're bringing in you know they they you know well done to Gettleman for finding Polardi, and now they're moving on to Charlton. It's kind of you know been reliable and then obviously the inverse with the kicking situation because it's not like you know Graham Gano has been excellent with the Giants 
Uh, but he 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 was not this reliable like you know Justin Tucker as kicker with you know, this franchise. I mean, we got to go back yeah. 2016, week one in Denver. He had a pretty decent field goal inside that stadium where the air helps the ball, and he missed yeah. you know, for the game. Yep. Um. It was, so it was very much hit or miss with Graham. Hey, Graham hit some clutch kicks for this team, including a you know long one against the Giants. When we always talk about the 60 plus shorter, that's one I think. I don't want to put an asterisk beside it. It was an amazing achievement, but you don't have much time to think there. You're rushing out there, and he just boomed it and and got good protection up front. They were able to, you know, make sure nobody got their hands on it. But it was a good high kick that made it 60-plus yards. He made one against the Colts in 15 that was crucial in overtime. But then there were some misses, like in the Lions game in 18, the, the extra point that missed. It really the playoffs in New Orleans when he missed that chip shot. Playoff in New Orleans, exactly. And that's the with, with Sly, Sly never really had an opportunity to make that type of, you know, defining kick. Uh, he had opportunities early on to make some routine kicks that would help a team win or get in a better position, and he whiffed on those. So I think they just got to hope Santoso is, you know, they're, they've done some scouting on it, obviously. It's not just a, a blind faith type of thing when you make a trade, but they, they got to hope the guy can, can make it work and, and connect on – just routine kicks. That's what I mean. If the guy, you know, whiffs on a couple 50 plus yards, that's going to happen. But anything inside of, you know, 45 yards, we need to be pretty automatic there. Totally agree. Um, so let's hope that Santoso at least provides some level of reliability at that position. Yes. In a position like Please. It's <laughs> been very tumultuous uh, over yeah. the past uh, decade or so. Ever since, I would say, uh, our good pal john casey retired yeah. uh but that's that's gonna do it uh, on today's episode I'm sure we'll have another episode as soon as the roster trims down to 53 and then obviously we will um you know preview the jets game we'll bring on a guest uh, for that as well like we did all of last season but uh john is there any final parting words you have for us uh this evening uh just that we we've got some great content coming up for you guys. Like Billy said, we're going to you know do our usual routine in the regular season. we got a little bye week here, so we'll probably give you one episode coming up during the bye week post-cuts, give you an idea of where the roster stands. Hopefully this gives you a good preview of where we think it might go. And then once the 53 is established, we'll, we'll be able to dive in. And then you get a good Jets preview weekend, a little post-game recap. It's going to be a fun season, Billy. Looking forward to it. Totally agree. Well, thank you again, everyone, for joining us on this episode of The Roar, and we'll see you next time.